you're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ikena Okeke of the Father's Church. Please join Pastor Ikena Okeke and be blessed. We want to look at some meditation and um, I believe that by the mercy of God, this is for somebody that is for everybody's experiencing the impact and the um, you know, the realities or the current experiences of the COVID-19 pandemic where I need and I know and trust God that very soon will be overcomers of it in the name of Jesus Christ. I want to speak today on God has no blank spaces. Praise the Lord. I said God has what? No blank spaces. And if you come with me, um, it's not the the text per se, but um, just something to move us as we go on. In Luke chapter 2, in the account in Luke chapter 2, the Bible says, verse 1, Luke chapter 2, verse 1, it says, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. Now, notice what is happening here. A decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. Now, this is a global event, a global situation. And what was happening here was that the Roman government, which was in charge of almost the known world then, wanted to get some, you know, information that will enable more effective taxation. So they made a decree that the whole world, everybody, imagine how it is. We are close to it in our time now, where nations are only allowing citizens to be in their country and are closing up their borders. This is a similar scenario then. But this scenario was that everywhere you were, you had to leave and go back to the place of your birth. It was in this environment and under this time, this kind of time, that our Lord Jesus Christ was born. Now, the people who were living in this time would have been feeling like many of us are feeling. Everything is upside down. Imagine everyone having to leave to go back to the place of their birth. Things were, you know, just, it must have looked, you know, it's similar to what it is now without the face mask. Now, it was in this time that the Bible says, Jesus Christ, our Lord, verse 6 says, so it was, Luke 2, 6 says, so it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. So, in the, in the overriding situation, worldwide, God was doing something specific, fulfilling prophecy. I've come to tell you today, that God is also doing something right now. Praise the Lord. God is doing something right now. And my prayer, which has been my prayer ever since this whole thing began, is that today's Christian, you and I, and members of the Father's Church in particular, will not miss out on what God is doing. God is doing something. You know, you, you can pass through this experience and you'll be amongst those who read the news. But there is news being made. Just like we see in verse 6 of our text, 
It says, it was while they were there that the days were completed for her to be delivered. And verse 7 says, she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger. And we know who this firstborn son was. This is Jesus the Christ. Praise the Lord. So we have this here, and we have some characters that played out there, which I pray that you will find yourself as one of them in this season. In that same Luke chapter 2, if you go home where you have time, there is a man named Simeon. The Bible says on Sunday, Pastor Lord told us about allowing ourselves to be led of the Spirit. In Luke 2, 26, or 25 and 26, the Bible tells us of a man named Simeon who had been waiting, who had been looking for the consolation of Israel. And the Bible says in verse 25 that, or rather 26, 25 introduced him and 26 says, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see that until he had seen the lost Christ. 27 says, he came by the Spirit into the temple when the parents brought in the child Jesus. So in all of this chaos, in all of this, you know, Things turning upside down, people in transition, not knowing what exactly is happening. Some man named Simeon was sensitive to discern that this was the time he was waiting for. I declare that somebody will be sensitive and pick up on what Jehovah is doing. So that when this whole season passes, history will record it that you entered into purpose even under this scenario. In the name of Jesus. Another person there was Anna. So there's one for the male and one for the female. The same one with this Anna. Anna had had what we may call a difficult life. She became a widow earlier in her life and had set herself aside serving the Lord with fastings and prayers in the temple. But we also see that in this scenario also, we saw her fulfilling purpose. She lifting up Jesus and making prayers and prophecies. What joy do you think these people will be having each time they look back and they see a multitude of people not knowing what is going on, insensitive to what is happening, not being sensitive to what is happening in the spirit, but they look back and they discover that they have been instruments in the hands of the Lord. May that be our testimony in the name of Jesus. So God has no blank spaces. With all that is going on here, let nobody imagine that heaven has slowed its clock. God is working now. Our Lord Jesus Christ spoke to us. And he said, the father, he says, my father has been working until now. And he says, I am also what? I'm working. He said, I'm working. This work has never stopped. It has never ceased. John 5, 17 says, my father has been working until now. And I have been what? Working. This was when the Jews were challenging him. For healing a man on the Sabbath. And he was trying to tell them that my father does not go on bricks. Even though he's at rest, he's producing constantly. Praise the Lord. You see, let's not misunderstand it. The father has finished his work. But you see, his activity is still producing. So God has no date that he says he's not, he can't produce. Whether it is Sabbath, whether it is COVID-19, whatever it is, God is productive. He's working something. And anywhere men lift up their eyes to him, they will connect and something will happen. Praise the Lord, somebody. Okay. And another scripture as a background before we move on. In Ephesians 1 verse 11. Ephesians 1 verse 11 The Bible says, in him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined 
according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. The part B of this passage captures something. Ephesians 1.11. It says, I want you to look at from him or the purpose of him. This is describing the way God works. It says to the purpose of him who works how many things? All things according to the counsel of his will. What this passage is saying is that the nature of God, in the character of God, in the way God functions, all things, we've learned here, that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. But here we are seeing that God works everything according to the counsel of his will or his purpose. What that means is that even now, God is not saying, I can't walk because this is happening. God is walking all things now according to the counsel of his will. And you and I want to be in the center of that will. So we want to see how do we do it. Praise the name of the Lord. So we see and we step back now. And based on these things we've looked at, we can make a conclusion that the God that we have is not constrained or does not respond like our world. There are situations where our world, like in most places now, only essential industries or businesses are allowed to operate. They've been shut down. And this is why, because the saying goes this way, desperate times call for what? Desperate measures. Who would have imagined, you know, that airports will be shut down, that flights will be shut down, that schools will be shut down, you know, all kinds of things going on. Why? Because it's a desperate situation so people are taking a step back and are, you know, responding in very desperate manners. That people will be going about, you know, tying their faces and all of that. But that is where we have found ourselves and why. Because it is a desperate time. However, we must know, we must remind ourselves that the God we serve does not have desperate situations. He is a God who is completely in control. He's totally in charge. He knows what he's doing. In fact, the Bible tells us Nahum, Nahum chapter 1 verse 3. He says, even the whirlwind, he says, says, God, the the way I saw this when the Lord ministered it to me, he says he has his way in the whirlwind. The Lord, if you've seen a whirlwind, it scatters everything. But the picture there is that when a whirlwind is over, God has every piece of lead. Every piece of stick exactly where he wants it to be. That is how majestic, how awesome the God we serve is. So the world may be having desperate situations, but our God is not having desperate situations. He's doing something. Why are we learning this? So that we can keep looking to what he's doing and be able to operate at the level where he can communicate things to us and will be productive in the name of Jesus Christ. So, in our normal world now, a situation like this will make a democracy suspend the laws and declare what you may call a state of emergency. On the state of emergency, things are permitted that were hitherto not permitted. Things are put in place that, you know, people would have said no to, but just so that it can help them put a grasp on the situation and arrest whatever the difficulty is. Those situations are allowed even in a democracy. But God is saying to you and I, in my system, I have no state of emergency. 
I never declare state of emergency. As I have been, he says, I'm the alpha and what? I'm the omega. I'm the beginning and the end. He says, I am in control. I never need such situations. Praise God. Why is that so? Because God's constitution, unlike the constitution of a nation that will be suspended in a state of emergency, God's constitution is his word. Now, the word of God is the constitution of God. But the word of God is not just what we agree to. The word of God is what we understand from the scripture is the resource for which the physical world exists. So where God to suspend his constitution, you know what is going to happen? All of a sudden, the sun will not rise. You know, the earth will begin to twist out of form. Things, there'll be chaos everywhere. So God's word, the Bible tells us how the world was created. I believe you know that in the beginning, you know, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, you know, and the Spirit of God was hovering. And God said, it is that word that God said that is making the scientists to be able to study science. Because the strength of science is the reliability of God's word. You see, even though many scientists may claim they are atheists, but by studying science, they are actually studying the works of God. And if not for the reliability of, or the efficacy of God's word, science will be impossible because gravity today will not be gravity to tomorrow. The relationship between heat and light and all the other things that you can study and put in a formula is able to be so because the word of God that is upholding it is powerful. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 1.3, let's look at that, Hebrews 1.3. It says, who being, talking of our Lord Jesus Christ, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, it says, this one also upholding all things by the word of his power. Can you give me uh, any other translation? It says, he holds everything together. By what he says. So science actually is a worship or rather a reverence, a respect, a study of God's word. How be it manifested through physical things. Praise the Lord. I can't remember the man's name, but one prominent scientist has said that no scientist who is sincere to himself will not be a Christian. Because you will study until you get to the fact where it reveals his maker to you. But you see, because men have been hiding ever since Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, men will still continue to hide. Not because they can't see God or hear God, but because their sins, they don't want to confront them. That's not what we're looking at today. Anyway, so because of the strength of God's word, he cannot suspend it. He will continue to use this word no matter the situation. Praise the Lord. Why are we doing all of these things? Very important. The word of God now is not just the source of the hardware. If you have a computer, you're going to have the hardware, and then you're going to have the operating system, and then you're going to have the softwares or the applications that you're going to use. The word of God is not just the source of the hardware, it's not the, but it's also the operating system. What it means is that this word now is going to determine even how your apps will work. It's going to determine how every other thing you're going to do will work. It's the processor of everything that goes into that system. Now, the Bible says in Psalm 138 verse 2, talking about our God, Psalm 138 verse 2, it says he has magnified his word above his name. Praise the Lord. Yes. It says for the part B, it says 
I will worship toward your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. Psalm 138 verse 2. It says, for you have what? Magnified your word above all your name. It says this word is going to determine every other thing. So when I say in the name of Jesus, it will not cancel the word of Jesus. It will only back up what he has already said. Praise the Lord. It will only be in line with what he and who he is. So we have this at the background. Why are we studying this? Again, at this time, I I, I want to keep bringing us back to Because the temptation for you and I and for the Christian is that the enemy, the way it works, what is a temptation? You see, in science, there's something they always say. They say all things in economies, they say all things what? Being equal. So if supply increases and demand is the same and um, all things are equal, what is going to happen? Price is going to fall down which is what has happened with our oil. Supply has increased, demand reduced, so price is almost at near zero. But I hear speaking of, thank God for Nigeria for that. But you see, in the real world, you will realize that all things are never equal. All things are never equal. And the temptation of the Christian is that situations will come at you where things are not equal. You see, if everything were equal, the English people would say, if wishes were horses, beggars were right. You see, if everything were the way it was meant to be, I mean, or equal, then everybody can be a Christian and be successful at that. But the Bible tells us some things that we must be conscious of. The Bible says, fight the good fight of faith. It means that when I become a Christian, in fact, if you read the epistles of the Apostle Paul, several times he would equate the believer to a warrior, to a soldier. Why? Because he understood what he was saying. In one place, he said he engaged in fight against beasts. He says, I wrestled against beasts. This is still being a Christian. He did not ever go into UFC or any of those things. He was still living the Christian life. So the Bible says also concerning our faith, it says that knowing that the trial of your faith, which is much more precious than gold, that is tested by fire. That is Peter talking to us. So he's saying that gold is tested through fire to establish the genuineness of the gold. And he's saying that our faith will also be what? Tested through fire. To establish the genuineness of the faith. What am I trying to say? You should never be surprised that your faith is being tested. You should never count it strange. The epistle tells you, count it not strange when you fall into diverse trials and temptation. You should never wonder, is this happening? Is this me? Am I the one seeing? Am I the one broke? Am I the one abandoned? Am I the one they told these lies against? It should never surprise you. You should actually expect it. Why is that so? The Bible makes us understand that if the Christian faints in the day of adversity, what has happened? He said his strength is small. It means it was never there. You don't say, ah, if this thing had come when, no, no. Anytime it comes, you're expected to put up the defense that is expected of a believer. Do you know that as we call ourselves born-again Christians, one of the things the Bible itself calls us is overcomers. And the very word overcomers means what? In fact, our Lord Jesus Christ used it in the letter 
or rather in the message he gave to the Apostle John in the book of Revelation, he said to him that overcomes. That's what you keep saying. What is that saying? It's saying that there will be situations similar to the one that we're in where your faith will be tested, where your faith will be tried. Now, if you don't have some things at the background, it will be difficult for you to make it through the seasons. Now, we have established here that God has no blank space. It means in this season, there is something God is doing. It means in this season, there is something God is working out. In this season, nobody is on vacation. Nobody is counted out because there is a lockdown. You may not be going to work, but work is happening. You may not be, you know, uh, mixing up physically, but there is a mixing up happening. Praise the Lord, somebody. So we have this, and I want to quickly take you through one or two. In fact, I have so many because as I began to receive it, so many were coming to me, so I hope we have the time. I want you to come with me to 1 Samuel 26. In 1 Samuel 26, we have the first one that we're going to look at. 1 Samuel 26. And it's an account of the young boy, David. David, we know David. David was the young boy that killed the lion and the bear, and then later on killed Goliath. And David was the man that, or rather the boy, sorry, that God has sent, you know, Samuel the prophet to anoint as king in replacement for Saul, who he was looking, you know, looking for a replacement for. After David's anointing, and uh, after he had killed Goliath and all of that, if you were David, what would be your expectation every night you wake up? Wouldn't you be expecting that the very next day will be the day of your coronation? I mean, what remains? You've been anointed and you've proven it. What should be waiting? But lo and behold, we see David. This very David in First Samuel 26. This very David, I'm going to read from verse 5. 1 Samuel 26 verse 5. He says, then David answered and said to Ahimelech the Hittite and to Abishai the son of Zerah. What is happening here? Okay, maybe from verse 1. From verse 1, let's take it from verse 1 so we get the, the background for someone who may not be acquainted with this story. Verse 1 says, now the Ziphites came to Saul at Gibeah saying, is David not hiding in the hill of Hakila opposite Jeshurun? Then Saul arose and went down to the wilderness of Ziph, having 3,000 chosen men of Israel with him. To seek David in the wilderness. Now, praise the Lord somebody. Saul was going with 3,000 men. Was it to shake David? Was it to install him? What was he going to do? Saul was going with 3,000 men to do what? To execute David. Now, I am waiting for coronation. And the government that has been, the government that I'm to preside over... The soldiers are being, you know, arraigned and called together to find me, to kill me. Now, if that is not a state of emergency situation, I don't know what would be a state of emergency. But this is what we find in this story. And in verse 6, in verse 6, the Bible says, Then David answered and said to him, like the, the Hittite and Abishai, the son of Zerah, brother of Job, said, Who will go down with me to Saul in the camp? And Abishai said, I will go down with you. So David and Abishai came to the people by night, and there Saul, that is the person leading the attack against him, lay sleeping within the camp with his spear struck in the ground by his head, and Abner and the people lay all around him. Then Abishai said to David, God, listen to this, Abishai said to David, God has what? 
delivered your enemy into your hand this day. Now, therefore, please let me strike at once with the spear, right to the head, and I will not have to strike him a second time. Now, look at this scenario. David learned what we are learning today. This is a situation where if anybody called a desperate situation, it would be an understatement. You are supposed to be the king. You have been anointed. You have proven it. And you're waiting for, you know, to assume this position. And then some people in the same government, 3,000 of them rise against you. And then God, note this word, unquote, God delivers Saul into your hands. And you can with one strike of the spear or the sword, you know, eliminate him. What should be done? If you were in the series, what, what would you do? Saul is God. After all, it was God that started the idea, let's replace Saul. So you will only be doing the battle, fighting the battle of the Lord by killing Saul. But let's see what David said. David, verse 9 says to Abishai, do not destroy him. Huh? Why? For who can stretch out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? Look at this. I need you to pause. I need you to pause and look at this. Who is David? David is the Lord's anointed. Who is Saul? Saul is the Lord's replaced. In fact, the Bible said to us, when God anointed David, we're told now, I mean, David may not have been aware, but it says, as the moment the Holy the anointing came upon David, it said an evil spirit from the Lord came upon Saul. So they, Saul was fit for extermination. Praise the Lord. But this is what David said. Do not destroy him. Why? He says, for who can stretch out his hand against the Lord's anointing and be guiltless? What is David saying here? David is saying, this is the word of the Lord. And it is non-negotiable. We don't suspend it. We don't say, well, it depends. We don't say, uh, you don't understand my situation. We don't say, uh, but uh, you have to be expedient. No, no, no. You don't bring in any of those things. David quoted the word of the Lord. And verse 9 says, David said, furthermore, look at this. As the Lord lives, what does it say? The Lord shall what? Strike him. Or his day shall come to die. Or he shall go out to battle and perish. <laughs> but the Lord forbid that I, David, should stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed. Look at this. Brethren, if you read down because of time, I'm going to leave from here. Okay, let, let me read it for us. Verse 12. Verse 12 says, So David took despair and the jug of water by Saul's head, and they got away, and no man saw or knew it or awoke. For they were all asleep. I hope you have your Bible. Because the Bible says there, read that part for me. It said, because a deep sleep from the Lord had fallen on them. Who created this situation? Jehovah. What was he looking for? He was testing to see whether his word will prevail in the life of David. Why? Because God will not honor a man that does not honor his word. You see, any man who toils with God's word is toiling with what he cannot afford to toil with. You can't play with the word of God. You see, the problem we have as Christians and as human beings in our time is that because God is beyond, 
He's so big. And we are little. When we get away in our little corners, I don't know if you may have seen some cases where, maybe in the United States, where a man is running away with a getaway car. And then while he's running on the streets, avoiding the police vehicles that are pursuing him from the left and right, he forgets that there is a helicopter that is above, that is waiting for whenever he parks to come and get him. You see, that is how many times we deal with God. Because we think we are dodging, we hide in one street. And we are hiding from the cars on the other side of the street. But we forget that God is above, comprehending all. David here was saying, I know that God is omniscient. I know that God is omnipotent. I know that God is omnipresent. And I know that his word, it's, it's better for me to adjust to his word. Notice, if you read here, David never talked about his protection. He said, someday, God will handle it. Why is that so? Because this man, this young boy, David, had an understanding of the God he was dealing with. The Bible says to you and I, Hebrews 1, you know, faith is a substance of things, so for evidence of things, nothing. And in verse 6 of Hebrews, it says, but without what? Faith, it is impossible to what? To please God. You can't please God without faith. And what is faith? Faith is not volume. Faith is not a lot of activity. Faith is simply an understanding and ordering your life according to the word of God. You see, if David were attending to these churches, you can imagine the sermon he would have heard from his preacher at this time. He said, this is your moment. Seize your moment. Arrest your moment. Overtake and overtake. Destroy your enemy. These are some of the things he would have been hearing. But faith is none of those. Those are the will of men. Those are, you know, the doctrines of, I don't want to call where they are coming from. They are not of Christ at all. What faith is, is that faith is absolute assurance. We're still going to find it from that verse. Absolute assurance that God is in charge of his word. And nothing can happen apart from what he says to happen. So it says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. Why? He that comes to God must what? Believe that he is. And he is what? A rewarder of those who diligently seek him. A rewarder. If you don't get anything from this meeting tonight, please get it that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. God knows those who are seeking him. God knows those who are not seeking him. God knows those who are playing tricks. He knows all of that. And here, David trusted himself into the hands of the one who will look from above and then see that David has honored him and then he himself will honor David. I pray that the Lord will find you honoring him in the secret places. In the name of Jesus Christ. This was what happened here. David understood that God is a rewarder. And that is where we are missing and we are, we are shortchanging ourselves today. Many Christians don't see God as a rewarder. Many Christians see that they have to get things. I think it, you, we may call it the spirit of the orphan. We have dealt with that here before. It's the spirit of the orphan that has entered into the church. Whereas the very basics of being a Christian is that God is your father. Our Lord Jesus teaching us to pray said, Our Father which art in heaven, what? Hallowed be thy name. The, the, we lent us on so, as many as received him. To them he gave the privilege or the right to become what? 
sons of God or children of God. We as believers are no longer orphans. We have come to God. We have come to the living God. And this God is not relating to us just as his creation. He's relating to us as a father. We're going to say as we go on here, we're going to see a passage that we're going to uh, take you for the Matthew 7 later. But we'll get the Matthew 7, 7 to 12. We're going to see that, that God, God, God is a rewarder. But now, God is a rewarder of who? A rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I don't have the time to take you through what diligence means, because I believe you know what diligence is. But diligence implies, you know, effort. It implies, one of the things that it implies for today's learning is conscientiousness. It is stability. You cannot be diligent in something you do some days and you don't do some days. That can never qualify for diligence. You cannot be diligent for something that you only do to the eyes of men. No, you cannot also be diligent for things that you do only when conditions are conducive. Some of us, we play soccer. Some of us do all kinds of things. And we say we like to play soccer. But when it's snowing, can you play soccer? The professionals play soccer. You watch them on the television. No matter the weather, once that is a time of practice, they will be there playing it. You know why? That is what they know they have said to do. Now, until the Christian takes the word of God and says, this word, I will do what? I will honor it no matter the situation. You have not come to the place of diligently seeking him. And if that is a situation, I'm sorry, you may not get the reward. You see, one of the things that we have in our time is people say things of God, say things about God, say things on behalf of God. And then we that are preachers don't even help you. We tell you God will do this for you. God is going to do that for you. God is going to. But until God does that, it's only a word. You know, our God has a sense of humor. Many claim him, many say that he is. But the Bible says the foundation of the Lord stands sure, having this seal. What? The Lord knows those that are what? That are his. And then he went on and said, let him that names the name of the Lord what? depart from iniquity. Why is that passage in the Bible? Because many people will be living in iniquity and be claiming God. And you know, the Bible says we shouldn't judge. So we don't judge. But the Lord himself says, I know my own. Don't worry. But he just gave a caveat. If you're naming me, just depart from iniquity. Let's even start from there. So we find ourselves here. Still, God is a rewarder. I want you to leave this meeting today knowing that God is looking at you and God wants to reward you. You see, we understand in psychology that how do you change behavior? You use carrot and stick. So carrot is reward. Stick is punishment. And I don't know how come as believers, children of God, we have eliminated all that basic things. God's standard is even higher and his ways are more, much, much better. But how can you want God to take you to levels where you don't even trust he will see what you're doing in secret and reward you openly? What David did here, he did not shout it out, but he knew. He said, God will see to this. And then he stepped out. And we are here today talking about him. And Jesus Christ, the son of God, came answering the son of David. Why? Because a man honored God. I pray that will be your testimony in the name of Jesus Christ. In that scenario, if David had said, I know the Bible says thou shalt not kill. I know the Bible said, you know, do not touch the Lord's anointed. But in that situation, who would have disagreed with him? Even if I were there, if you were there, we would have said, this is the Lord's doing, and it is what? 
marvelous in our sight. He has created this opportunity. Don't miss it. That's what we would have said. But come with me to Matthew 7. Matthew 7 verse 10 to 12. I'll read it quickly. It says here, this is a principle of prayer. It says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Verse 9. Or what man is there among you who if his son asks for bread will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? Verse 11. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good gifts to those who ask him? Now, look at 12. If you notice here, where we started from verse 7 did not end until they put therefore. Can everybody read this therefore with me, please? It says therefore now, whatever you want men to do to you, what do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. In other words, this is the word of God. So David, remember, amongst the kings of Israel, I can't count how many of them that lived fully, installed their uh, successor, and then died peacefully. But David, who knew this scripture, said, I will not lay my hands on the Lord's anointed. Because of that, Every enemy's hands, Absalom, all of them that tried to rise against David, their hands were suspended in the air. They could not touch David. Why? He did not do it to anybody. Praise the Lord, somebody. It says, this is the law. So we have a mentality that can say, I'm asking. I'm even asking with fasting. I'm even asking with cries. I'm even asking with uh, denial. I'm asking with this. But have you come down to the therefore? Now, this, therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, take it, first of all, whatever you want God to do to you. Are you doing the same to God? Prayer is making verbal requests to God, isn't it? The word of God is God's word, making verbal requests to you. If you will not hearken God's word, God's word, why will God hearken to your prayer? Have you thought about that? But that's not where we're looking at. That's on the side. What we want to pick today is this. Under several situations and circumstances, it may seem reasonable. I'm using reasonable because there are three stages I will mention to us today. It may seem reasonable, or what the world may say, it may seem expedient to take some courses of action, which is what we started by saying under states of emergency. But you see, there are three levels of reactions or actions in life. The base level is the level of feelings or emotions. And we know that, you know, English should say feelings are what? Fickle. They change. So I'm feeling like this, this way. Somebody, you have a bad day in the office, you come back, and what your wife says or your husband says, you quarrel with it. But if it was a different day that you didn't have a bad day at work, you wouldn't have resorted to the same thing. So we don't really know. Nobody will boast that every decision he takes and every action he takes is based on his feelings. Nobody will claim that, even though, unfortunately, many times we'll do that. And recently now, there's this um, study that is coming out now, emotional intelligence, where you learn to study your emotions 
and know how to manage it and also study the emotions of others. So all of that is to handle that level of reaction where you're feeling this and you're feeling this and that somehow influences your action. But there's a higher level which is where the world you know, stands in and boasts. And that is where you may call the science level, the empirical level, the defendable, the logical level where we can say if A if this is one and that is one, two of them together should be two. You know, if this happens and that happens, then this is this. It, that level is the level where you can call the level of logic or reason. And that is where science comes in. That is where we begin to say that if a man is sick, if he administers a chemical substance, he can be healed. Why? Because in that chemical substance, some healing properties are going into his body. But at that level, you don't understand where the Bible says you shall lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Why? Because it's not logical. What have you given me? What have you taken? Most times when people are sick and they say they're sick, what is the natural question people ask? What are you taking for it? But the good news is that the word of God is medicine. You can actually take the word of God. Praise the Lord. And take it in and healing will come. But you see, the reason, the level of logic will not agree with you. Because what physical substance has gone from outside into your body to make you know that you are expecting a healing? So most people won't agree with you. But that's how the world is. So if there is going to be a solution... It has to be scientific, it has to be reasonable, it has to be logical. You tell somebody, ah, by this time next day, I'm going to be, um, maybe after this uh, COVID-19, I'm going to become so successful. And the person say, ah, why? Did you get a job that you're going to start? He said, no, I have faith. They'll say, my friend, keep quiet. Are you understanding? Because you have no reason to back it up. But you don't blame them because these are people that are living at the higher level, but where the rational man is, the reasonable level. But there's a level of living which the Bible tells us where it says the just shall what? Live by faith. At the level of living by faith, we live above feelings. We live above reason. We live based on what? On the word of God. And remember, when we started, we said the word of God is what gives backbone to science. Faith is not against science. Faith is superior to science. The same way an airplane flying is superior to a car running on the road. Both of them are still working in the same world where there is gravity. But for one, gravity is working for it in the sense that the tire is being moved by gravity, you know, as it rolls over. But the other one, the whole thing has been changed through the laws of aerodynamics. Why? Because somebody has studied God's word and has seen that there is stability in these principles. And as they adjust, scientists are actually obeying the physical laws. Okay, as they obey those physical laws, they can get a vessel off the ground and it flies on the air. Now, the same way, are you with me today? Praise the Lord. The same way now, what is happening now, is that when you come to live at the level of faith, you now study God's nature. That's why Hebrews eleven six says, he that comes to God must believe what? That he is. Not that he does. You see, there's a level of faith where I'm claiming what God does. But there's a level of faith where I know he is. I trust in him. You see, many of the names we call God were not given in a dictionary. Many of the names we call God were names that men discovered as they trusted God in different situations and he manifested. In fact, what God said to Moses, remember, he said, my name is what? 
I am that I am. What means filling the space I'll become it. So when you know the nature of God and you know who God is, he will become your I am in every situation. Anywhere you need it. And by your own experience, men can get a name for him. Praise the Lord somebody. So that is the level of faith. It is superior to feelings and emotions and it's superior to science. It's the level where I deal in my world according to God's nature. Who wouldn't want to live at that level? Where a man at 99 years is expecting a child. And God says to him, go back to your neighborhood. Announce them that naming ceremony will soon happen. In fact, tell them your name has been changed from Abraham to Abraham. And the man returns to his place and calls everybody and says, from now, call me father of nations. Because very soon I'm going to dedicate a baby and then different things will begin to happen. Now, isn't that crazy? It is crazy if you look at the level of feelings and emotion. It is unreasonable and unlogical if you look at science. Because the man, the Bible says his body was dead. And the wife's son was even deader. So, both reasons, at both levels, it didn't make sense. But you see, because God was involved... Praise the Lord somebody. Because there was a knowledge of God. Bible has said Abraham believed God. That is where faith is. Faith is people who believe God. And once they believe God, it is accounted to them for what? Righteousness. Righteousness is what takes a man above. The Bible says, talking about Lord Jesus Christ in Hebrew. Because thou hath loved righteousness and hated iniquity. It says, therefore, the Lord your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness. Above all. You see, righteousness will exalt a man. Praise the Lord. Thank God is a gift. And then also, thank God we walk in it in obedience. So, these are the three levels. And it is the faith level that we're looking at in this time. To operate at the faith level in this time. Let me try. I can't go through all the things I have here. I really wish I had. In Genesis 36, where there is the account of the man Isaac. Okay, Isaac is in the land of famine. Praise the Lord. Isaac in the land of famine. Genesis 36, verse 1 to 12. I won't read it. Isaac is in the land of famine. How does a man prosper in the land of famine? Anybody help me? How does a man prosper in the land of famine? There is nothing to eat. Nothing, you know, no rain. The ground is dry. Everything. How does a man, how should a sensible man be safe in the land of famine? Shouldn't he keep what he has and secure it as much as possible? But do you know how Isaac prospered in the land of famine? Verse 12 says, Isaac sowed in the land of famine and, and, the same year he reaped a hundredfold. Some of us in this situation now, we're no longer sowing. Let me tell you, the word of God is never suspended. The word of God has never, it will never be suspended. Then Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year what? A hundredfold. Whether it is famine or whether it's a bountiful season, there is nothing. The Bible says Genesis 8.22. What happens? While the earth remained, seed time and harvest, winter and summer, it says they will not hold. They will not cease. Whether your country is in depression, whether there is a lockdown, seed time and harvest will not cease. It's your choice how you respond. But faith will tell you that I'm not looking at the physical situation because something is controlling the physical situation. And what is controlling the physical situation is the word of God. And the word of God says this thing will never be cancelled. There is never a time that God did override the laws of sowing and reaping. 
Never a time. Never a time. I give you another one. Very close one. The widow and Elijah. First Kings 17. In First Kings 17 verse 8 and 9. God said to Elijah, I'm going to send you to a widow to feed you. I'm sure when Elijah heard that, he thought he was going to go to some notable, very rich widow who must have had some you know, massive apartment and resources to take care of him. But when Elijah got to this widow, to his surprise, the Bible said of this widow that she was gathering some sticks to go and bake the little that she had so that she and her son would eat and die the very next day. So they just had enough. They must have been starving. Maybe, that's Maybe they were eating at intervals of one week. Who knows? But it was the one that they would eat and die. When Elijah met this woman, by the conviction of the God that he was serving, he made a statement in verse 13. Verse 13 says, Elijah said to this woman, do not fear. And I said to somebody tonight, do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first. And afterward, make some for yourself and your son. Not the word first. It's the make for me first. You see, the word of God says, seek ye first what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness and all other things shall be added. There is never a time that seeking God's second will bless you. Do not be deceived. Unless it's not faith you're living by. Feelings I understand. Science I understand. But according to what we are learning, God has never suspended his laws. Now, now, the, the, the things I'm teaching, uh, we're, we're looking at tonight, please understand me. It's not by compulsion. Thank God for the message on Sunday. As many as allow themselves to be led of the Spirit, these are what? The sons of God. It's not by compulsion. But this is the Word of God. God's law is never suspended. Just like in husband and wife, you know, very familiar case for many of us. Husbands, love your wives. It didn't say love your submissive wives. Wives, submit to your husband. It didn't say submit to your loving husband. That is the word of God. You can argue with him from now till tomorrow. I didn't write it. I'm reading it as well as you are reading. It's your choice. He has never suspended the constitution of marriage. Now, I'm not saying that somebody is in an abusive relationship if you remain there. No. There is also wisdom in it. But disobedience will never be part of it. Praise the Lord, someone. So it says, first, first. Can you imagine that? You're a man. The man should be able to carry, manage hunger more than the uh, women and children. But no, he says no. When God is involved, and remember Lord Jesus Christ said, he that receives the one I send, or gives him a cup of cold water in my name, who has he received? He said, I received the one who sent him. So in essence, when that widow gave what she gave, she was not given to Elijah, she was given to God. You know the testimony of the case, verse 16, says they continued to eat. And even for that, when there was death in that house, by the anointing of the Lord, that child was raised. Why? Because anywhere God is honored, God honors. It's folly for me to imagine I can dishonor God, and then God will honor me. Praise the Lord, somebody. Quickly, I mentioned this. I, let, let me just try and go through this because I may never get back to it. To help some of us. Daniel was a captive in Babylon. In Daniel chapter 1, Daniel was a captive in Babylon. Now, a captive situation is not a normal situation. If there is an emergency, that's an emergency. And Daniel finds himself as a captive in Babylon. And the mercy of God, favor shines upon him. Favor says, ah, we are going to bring you, you are going to walk with the king. And as Daniel was taken up from, you know, where the camp, where they kept the captives, 
and he was introduced to the environment where he was going to be kept in. He saw the beautiful palace. He saw the nice things, you know, the school where they were going to train them and all of that. And as he peeped in and saw the dishes and the wine, immediately before an offer was made, he went to the eunuch and said to him, excuse me, sir, please, while we're here, can, can I ask something from you? Because I purposed never to defile myself. So he said to him, please, can you permit me not to enjoy to eat of what you call enjoyment of the king's delicacies. Now, that is crazy. If you were Daniel's father, if you were Daniel's pastor, if you were Daniel's relative, what would you advise him on this situation? You say, no, no, no. Remember, you are an Israelite. The God of Israel is not here. Who you have here is Nebuchadnezzar. And don't worry, when God takes you back to Israel, you can continue with what you're talking about. But here, you're already a captive. You have no right to yourself. But God, who is watching those who take him seriously, those who diligently seek him, immediately intervene. Read that account. It would not have been possible for Daniel to go through that. Verse 8. It would not have been possible for Daniel to go through that unless, unless God backed him up. So the Bible says in that account, God gave him favor. Before the eunuch. Now, the conclusion of that, why I picked that is this. Somebody is asking himself, what is the key to distinguishing myself in any environment? Honor God. From verse 13 to 16. Give us 13 to 16. Let me read it quickly. Let me pick one or two things. 13 to 16. Okay, go down 14, please. So he consented with them in this matter and tested them 10 days, yes. And at the end of 10 days, what happened? He said their futures appeared better and fatter in flesh. Than all the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies. Can I take this and prove to you that faith is superior to science? No nutrition would have been able to guess that those who ate of Daniel's water and lintel, what many people believe he ate, would be fatter and fresher than those who ate the balanced diet of the king. But you see, God created his word and he still runs his word. Praise the Lord. Every outcome has God's impute. If you're not seeing it, it's because you have not caught his attention. If you go further down now, the Bible says, where the Bible says, now when the king tested them, the king interviewed them, and among them, he says what? Them all. None was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they sat before the king. Go on 20, please. 20. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them what? To be 10 times better. Look at the people that were 10 times better than All the magicians... The astrologers who were in his realm. Daniel had to learn the language first. Remember, Daniel was a young boy. He had all of a sudden become superior to these people. The Bible tells us in Psalm 119, it says, by your words, you make me wiser than my teachers. The Bible says, in all matters of wisdom, the Bible says, the fear of the Lord is what? The beginning of wisdom. A man is only as wise. A man may be as knowledgeable as anything. But a man can only be as wise as he fears God. Anyone who does not fear God is a fool. So Daniel was exalted in this kingdom. Even though he had no standing. Somebody is watching and you're wondering. How do I stand out? Go and look at that story. Live by the law of faith. Go beyond the law of logic and reason. Go beyond emotions. And God will honor you. What am I trying to say to us in this time? Brethren, people of God. The time that we're in 
is never a time to dis, dishonor or disobey the word of God. If you find yourself, I remember many years ago, I can't remember what it was, but maybe it had to do with money. I can't remember. But I was feeling a bit down. I don't normally feel downcast. I know God has helped me with that, you know. But, and immediately the Lord said, so what do you want to happen? I said, I want to be lifted. He said, so what should you do? Simple. Somebody might get. He said, lift somebody up. Lift somebody up. Let me round up with this passage. Psalm 126 is a passage we know very well. When the Lord turned the captivity of Zion, we are like those who dream. Then our mouths were filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us and we are glad. Verse 4 says, bring back our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. This is what is happening here. This was the psalm of the children of Israel as they were singing praises when they were returning from the captivity in Babylon. And this is what they said. This is like a dream. The goodness that the Lord has shown them is like a dream. Unbelievable. And I pray that after COVID-19, by the time you align with God and the things God will do with you, it will be like a dream. The marvelous things that will be seen of you in the name of Jesus Christ. Now look at verse 5 and 6. Verse 5 and 6. Everybody, look at it. What does it say? Those who sow in tears shall what? Reap in joy. It says, he who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Now, what is the connection of this with their deliverance? I don't know. But what they're trying to tell us is this. We are able to rejoice now because we did sow in tears. If there is no sowing, it says that those who sow in tears shall do what? They were rejoicing. Before any rejoicing, there is a sorrow in some fault. There is a sowing. There is a planting. Before there can be harvest, there must be seed in the ground. It's as simple as that. See, the Lord turned their captivity. But they are telling us before they close that stand, we sowed in tears. We carried precious, precious seed. And we're sowing it. We're crying and sowing it. But now it's like a dream to us. Child of God, let no man shortchange you of the beautiful grace of God that has been shed abroad upon us. God has great plans for you. But you see, you can never enjoy God being selfish. You can never enjoy God being self-centered. You must be God-centered. Don't mind that we're living in a world that exalts man above God. There is a new level of idolatry in that world today. I've said this before. And that idolatry is I, idol, I, we worship self, what I feel, what I want. Now, many people are in this time, and please just forgive me if, if I may sound, you know, insensitive, but you have a phone. You're complaining about one thing or the other. Do you know there are some people that want to be in the situation you are in? Maybe have the food you have to eat. Maybe you're not able to eat all you want to eat. Maybe even some people, their own is not just food. They need shelter. The rains have come. And they just need to be under a sheltered environment. Do you know that if you looked at yourself all of a sudden, where you are watching me now, and saw yourself no longer as a victim, but as a deliverer, and stunned us around and picked up your phone or whatever you could use and begin to encourage somebody. Do you know that you're going to be lifted? That's what the Lord said to me. He said, lift somebody up. Because whatever you do unto men, it shall be done to you. Lift somebody up. Encourage somebody. You know, charge somebody. 
Now, besides that, the Bible says, He that sows to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. I fear and I pray is not so. That many in this COVID-19 pandemic are busy sowing to the flesh. And the Bible is clear. If you sow to the flesh, you reap corruption. I was speaking to someone. I said, God forbid that when this COVID-19 is over, you will look back at two months or six weeks of lockdown and you will see you did nothing profitable with it. Somebody say, God forbid. God forbid. God forbid. What am I saying? God is working now. And you and I can key into it. There is a sowing that needs to be sown. There is a sowing to the spirit. There is a sowing, you know, to others. There is a sensitivity to spiritual laws. What spiritual law are you engaging to work for you? Complaining never brings any result. Complaining is like weed. Murmuring is like weed. Feeling sorry for yourself has never helped anybody. The psalmist said, so, so. Why are you what? Down? He said, he didn't wait for anybody. Why are you downcast? Why are you disquieted within me? He said, put your hope in God. Somebody watching, you need to put your hope in God. Rise up and see yourself as a daughter of Zion, as a son of the most high God. Pick up whatever you can pick and overcome. Remember, he that faints in the day of adversity, his strength is small. Your strength is not small. Let's bow our heads as we pray. Father, we thank you. Our God will bless you. Thank you because you're working. Thank you because you have no blank space. Lord, I will not allow myself to miss out on what you're doing. So with faith, O Lord, I call unto you, merciful and gracious Father. Lord, I trust in you. I believe in you. Lord, I want to live beyond feelings. I want to live beyond reason and logic. I want to live by faith. Lord, like you led Simeon, in that season. And he was able to connect in the apparent chaos and confusion to what you were doing in heaven. Lord, you also led Anna, oh Lord, and she was able to connect. Lord, this moment I yield to your spirit. Lead me on into what you're doing in this time. Make me, oh Lord, an answer. Make me a solution. Let, oh Lord, Father, help me to cease to sow to the flesh and begin to sow to the spirit. I have a word for some people who are watching. You are an employee. I know a few weeks back I talked about employers paying employees. Let me tell you something. If you're an employee now and you're sitting back and just watching movies and playing, better wake up. If you don't sow, you can't reap. The law of harvest will restrain even the employer from responding to you. But where you are, you can become, begin to pray. Lord, give me ingenious ways to bless my organization. Lord, spare ahead in me a spirit of ingenuity. Let me create new pro. Let me call my boss. Let me call my employer and make suggestions of things that the organization can do. If you're not reasoning like that, Psalm 126 says, those who sow in tears will reap in joy. I want to beg you, don't allow the enemy to cut you out. It's not a state of emergency. The world works and is still working now. Somebody you may be feeling one way or the other. I want to beg you, you are qualified to sow. Nobody is ever disqualified from sowing. You know why? Because once a man cannot sow, he's dead already. But as long as there's breath in you, you can sow encouragement. Oh, somebody saying, Pastor, I don't even have anything. Then you can sow prayer. We have more time now. You can pray. How many more people are you praying for at this time? Are you remembering the widows? Are you remembering the, the imageries that everybody's throwing about? Those people need intercessions. Are you praying for them? Is heaven hearing your voice as a witness to Jesus, as a soldier of Christ? 
Father, we give you praise. We thank you, Spirit of God. And we say amen to what you're doing. We yield entirely to your spirit. Lord, let us come out stronger. Let us come out victoriously. Let your name be glorified. Let your church match on in the name of Jesus Christ. God bless you. I'll see you on Sunday. You've been listening to a message by Pastor Ike Naokeke of the Father's Church. We are sure you've been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center, Banex Guarimpa Expressway, near Next Kashinkari, Abuja. For telephone 09-290-9000 or 703 You can find us online at www.thefatherschurchonline.com. God bless you.